What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Built Different Podcast. Our mission, to spark hope, encouragement, and motivation in and through your life today. When you finish a podcast, our hope is that our community would be inspired to live different, to live freely and boldly because of the love of Jesus. We'll be your hosts. I'm Zach. And I'm Brooke. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's edition of the Built Different Podcast. Brooke and I are here, and we are so excited to be sharing this episode with you guys today. Another powerful testimony, really, to share with you guys. A man by the name of Michael Perrin. He's actually the Minister of Life Recovery down in Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. And this is a guy that I've had the opportunity of meeting on several occasions. He is truly, um, he's a life giver, in my opinion. And he is just such a great encouragement. He helps people walk through some of their most difficult moments of life. And truly, his mission is to help people recover the life that God has always intended for them. So that's who the guy is. But we dive into so many amazing topics today, Brooke. His testimony, which you guys are going to find out. I'm not going to spoil it. But it really kind of... No spoilers. It revolves around Mark 8.36, which that verse says, What is a profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? And I think something that he touched on, even at the ending of our episode, was he kind of asks us to reevaluate how we perceive success in this life, right? If we can gain the whole world, we can have all the fame, we can have all the fortune, but internally we can be so empty and we can just have that void inside of us. And so how I kind of want to start the episode off is challenge all of you listeners out there today. One, how do you perceive success? And two, are you living a life for success or are you living a life to make an impact and really a life of significance? Mm -hmm. Brooke, what did you get out of the episode? That's so good. Yeah, I feel like Michael was really unique in that he offered us a lot of really specific and fresh tools that I hadn't heard of before. So like, kind of like pay attention during this interview because he just has those nuggets. You're like, whoa. I haven't even thought to do that before. And one of them that really stood out to me was this concept of the spirit and the shovel. Mm. And he brought that up when we were talking about how we need to collaborate with the Lord when we're trying to overcome certain obstacles in our life. And he goes into detail about how the spirit and the shovel work. But essentially, he's encouraging us that the Lord will give us the information that we need to take the next step. He's going to give us the direction that we're looking for, but it's our responsibility to then take up that shovel and start pressing toward doing that next right thing. And so Michael just breaks that down and gives us just really tangible ways to go about hearing God's voice in that way. And so you guys are not going to want to miss this. Coming up next with us, our friend, Michael. Mr. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be with you guys. Honored to be with you. We're so excited to have you here. I was telling Brooke beforehand that I've had the opportunity just to catch up with you um, for short and brief interactions, I feel like, but at events all across the country Mm -hmm. or whether that's at Prestonwood Church where you serve as the Minister of Life Recovery down there in Plano, Texas, just doing amazing things for the kingdom of the Lord. We're so excited to dive into your story, your testimony, to hear how God has and just is continuing to work in and through your life. But before we 
get into some of those details of your story, sir, what I kind of want to start out today is to help our listeners really understand um, that, man, we're really in a mental health disaster. I say it all the time on the podcast, mm-hmm. something my dad always shares. Pre-COVID, we had a mental health crisis. Post-COVID, we have a mental health disaster. And you're on the front lines. So I kind of just wanted yeah. to ask you initially, what are you seeing when you see people coming with their brokenness? And how do you offer just help and hope to them in that moment? You know, that's, that's such a great question, and you are absolutely correct. Um, previously, when I this position that I have has been in existence for about four years, yeah. and it's life recovery is what we call it. Yeah. A lot of people want to default to think that that's substance abuse and misuse, which it is. Um, but most of what we do is helping people recover the life that Christ intended. So mm-hmm. that's where life recovery comes into play. Like and so initially, when I took the position, I would receive, well, you know, maybe 12 to 14 calls a week mm-hmm. from individuals needing help from everything, as I said, substance abuse. Maybe they had a son or a daughter that wasn't walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were feeling anxious or possibly depressed. Um, recently, we have increased that number to around 35 to 40 every single wow. Wow. So we have basically almost tripled the number of phone calls that we've received. And wow. people are calling up wanting to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, give me some direction. Give me some clarification as to how I can navigate the circumstances that I find myself in. When this whole thing began, I was seeking the Lord and I was saying, Lord, you know, you're, you're going to be teaching us something here. Can you tell me what that mm. is? Can you give me a little insight? Mm. And what I heard him say was, I am shaking everything that can be shaken. Wow. And that's a biblical tenant that we see in the faith. I think it's the book of Hebrews, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. that he is shaking everything that will be shaken. The good part is the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Mm. And I think that's what's happened in the last couple of years is we have put so much energy and so much effort, so much of our of our existence as a culture upon things that can be shaken. Mm. So we put it in our career. We put it in our fame. We put it in our performance, whatever it happens to be. Yes. And those things are just shaken out from under us. And then we look around and we're we're wondering to ourselves, this foundation that i built my house on sand you know jesus Mm -hmm. says it sand is falling apart um the irony about that whole story of jesus and describing whether or not we build our house our lives on sand and rock is the fact that it's the same substance Mm -hmm. rock and sand are the same thing it's Mm -hmm. just that one has been beaten down and pulverized by the environment that it finds itself in. Wow. And so I really think for us, you know, what wow. we need to do, what I encourage people to do is begin reestablishing their foundation, yeah. reestablishing their relationship with Jesus. And by doing that, they can then begin to build and create something that is unshakable mm-hmm. because it's built on the rock that we have in Jesus. Wow. That's incredible. Well, Michael, thank you so much for doing that sort of work like to to bring in people who are in their lowest seasons of turmoil and point them to the rock refuge and strength Mm -hmm. that steady foundation in jesus thank you for doing that work firstly and i'd love to back us up on the timeline a little bit of your story as we start to dive into that and i want our listeners to understand that you are the man to be Mm -hmm. like you were at the height of your career in your fitness modeling career. Yeah. You had the six-pack abs. You had mm. the admiration. 
on the front of magazine covers in the world standards you had it all Hmm. and you had the fame you had all of it um but i've heard you say um in some interviews that you were doing that in that moment Hmm. even though the the world said hey this is where you would find wholeness Hmm. you said i actually found the opposite i felt like i was in the rock bottom moment of my life when it looked like i was at the peak And so can you help us understand some of the lessons you learned as you reached the peak of that career and maybe some warnings for our listeners about what what the dangers are of trying to find wholeness in what the world says wholeness is? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Brooke. Uh, You know, my life was built on shaky foundation. I, mean, I can, I can yeah. say amen and move on from that, but I guess the listeners <laughs> probably want to know more about what's going on. So fitness was my livelihood. Um, I needed yeah. a way to stay in shape and I needed a way in order to do that. I started teaching group aerobics. Aerobics is what it was called back in the 90s. And it was a big deal. Um, yeah. Some of the listeners might not even have a clue what that means, but aerobics was such a big deal that um, I was benefited from coordination and various things. But for me, my life was built on something that was not real. It was all on performance. It was all on perfection. It was all on what other people thought about me. So if I looked the part, spoke the part, and told you what you wanted to hear, you would pretty much leave me alone and you wouldn't dig into my life to be able to see the pain, Mm. the trauma, and the, just the suffering that I was going through. Yeah. So I was preaching health and wellness, and yet I'm addicted to methamphetamine. Wow. And yeah. so I'm doing speed in the bathroom of fitness clubs and then going out and teaching and preaching to individuals, this is what you need to do to be healthy. Mm. And just the hypocrisy in front of me was something that I really couldn't bear. Uh, you know, my bottom, we often hear at times, hear a lot from people when they say, you know, you, they just need to reach their rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The implication, I think, a lot of times is, well, they're going to be living out of their car, they're going to have no money in their, to their name, and they're going to be destitute and disheveled and all the other stuff that goes along mm-hmm. with it. There was right. a season in my life <laughs> that I did live out of my car for about a yeah. month, but the world came in and offered me the allure and Whoa. the attraction that the yes. world offered to all of us. And so I pursued that with everything that I had. Mm-hmm. It led me to a place what you're saying to where I had everything the world would tell you right. you should have to be successful. Mm. I had fame, I had fortune, I had contracts, I had girlfriends and, and money, the whole bit. Mm. And yet I found myself in my apartment at two o'clock in the morning because you can't sleep on methamphetamine, uh, alphabetizing my CDs. So I was completely uh-huh. tweaked out of my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I felt the prompting of God just kind of enter the room And this is the thought I had. I thought, you know, this is it. This is it. And that's really where the Lord pierced my heart and said, you know, I really felt him say, no, this is not it. There's Mm -hmm. so much more. And that began the journey of me pursuing who is Jesus? What is he really like? You know, I had ideas of what Jesus was like, but what is he really like? Not only what is he really like to other people, but what is he really like to me? Because I had a great idea from others around me of who Jesus was to them. But Jesus tells his disciples specifically, he says, who do people say that I am? And some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others say you're a prophet. And he looks at Peter and he says, but who do you say that I am? 
Mm. And that began my journey of discovering who Jesus was to me. Uh, Mm. The long and the short of that story is I ended up going to church. A woman that I'd never met in that church had a real direct pointed word for me. Mm. And in Mm. that moment, she said, you know, God wants you to know he is going to restore the years the locusts have eaten. And that was the beginning of my journey into this freedom that we find in Christ. And so, yeah, for me, the world can offer a lot of allure and a lot of temptation. Uh, But as I said at the very top, all that stuff can be shaken, can be taken away. Hmm. I feel like that's a really beautiful way that you juxtaposed the like the rock bottom moment because yeah. i don't think i've ever thought of it that way like i agree with you like and i think our listeners can uh agree with that that when you think of rock bottom it's like oh you hit that moment when mm-hmm. it's like you didn't really hit that moment you you uh were at the top and you yeah. felt that moment yeah. and you felt the brokenness within and we're like dang like i need to figure out who jesus is mm. And I feel like that's so awesome and so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that piece with us. Yeah. Um, and to dive into that further, I think that a lot of times when we are trying to, then when we realize we've hit that rock bottom and we're dealing with something like depression, anxiety, addiction, hmm. um, we kind of end up on one side of two different spectrums the first spectrum being like all right i need to muscle down and freaking figure this thing out and work it out and the other side being like lord show up like just fix this for me what are you doing and i think something's beautiful about your testimony specifically is you find this middle ground between those two diverse spectrums Mm. where you are actually acting in collaboration with the Lord. And so can you help us understand how to find this middle ground between those two realities um, and help us understand like where God's intervention plays a role and where our personal responsibility plays a role? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that illustration that I gave her, that story that I have with that woman and she's saying, God is gonna restore the years the locusts have eaten. Yeah. That was the moment, right? That was the mount, that was the end suddenly moment that we read about in Acts chapter two. Hmm. I think so often what we want to do is look at the stories in the Bible and imagine to ourselves, well, the end suddenly, and suddenly the Spirit of God fell upon people and they were transformed and they spoke in tongues and many were saved and all. Okay, that's wonderful. What we don't want to talk about is the 120 people praying 24 hours a day for 10 days leading up to that moment. Yes. So they were doing the work on the front end. Yeah. And then the Spirit of God showed up, and then they had to carry that out on the back end. So it's all throughout Scripture. I call it the principle of the Spirit and the shovel. Mm-hmm. Spirit and the shovel. So when we have an opportunity, like that woman who shared that with me, yeah, I believe that that was my opportunity that God was providing to me. And He is saying, my Spirit is with you. I'm giving you the information that you need to take the next step. A lot of times when we want to transform our lives, get out of depression, get out of anxiety, maybe we have a difficult client. I know that probably some of the watchers right here are clinicians as well. We have a client and we're wondering, what do I need to say to them to get them to that? Hmm. Not ever realizing or really reconciling within ourselves, a lot of that is my own personal desire for them. Mm. And just stepping them through step by step in the process and entrusting that to the Lord. So God's spirit comes in. He says, here's the answer. And now I believe what he encourages all of us to do is say, all right, what are you going to do about it? Mm. What are you going to do? 
and we have as free agents we have an opportunity to choose it's all throughout the bible i put before you life or death Hmm. it's your choice i would choose life you know god's like i'd choose life if i were you but you can still choose death if you want to so for me it went from the fame the success the all the accolades the money Hmm. to having that word from that lady to recognizing i need to make some changes Mm-hmm. I need to to have the shovel ready to go in my life. What did that look like? Well, it went from me getting rid of all those contracts with ESPN and Time Warner and everything else, taking a job volunteering at a church in which I was asked to spray paint football fields. Mm. Wow. So I was the guy, imagine, just that guy you imagine in your head. I was the guy with the hat, the shorts, the T-shirt, walking behind the spray. Yes, <laughs> yes. That was me, the creepy dude on the beach. That was, that's exactly what I looked like. So yes. I went from all this glamour and all this fame, you know, New York City and Brazil and all this other stuff to um, just spray painting football fields. Mm. But in that moment, Brooke, that's where the shovel principle kicked in mm. because it is exactly what I needed from wow. the Lord. I need to reestablish my identity mm. because so much of my identity was about my performance, my perfection, the way I mm. looked, the accolades that I received. I didn't even know who I was. Mm. And so literally for the first six months to probably a year, it was all about me being diligent and faithful to do that mm. next thing, that next just little bitty thing that the Lord was asking of me. And I became willing, you know, for Mm -hmm. the first time in my life. um, We've, I mean, I know people have seen it over and over again, information. It doesn't do it. Um, It's only application Mm -hmm. that really brings that transformation that we need in our lives. And so I was willing to be willing, as we say, around these arenas yeah and for and i just said to people around me you tell me what i need to do and i'll do it that for the first time in my life that's really what it was because i've been through drug treatment i've been through therapy i've been to 12-step meetings Uh, i talked to people none of that mattered because all i became was a real educated addict Mm. because i was never willing to pick up the shovel and do the work Mm-hmm. And so the balance then is we rely on the spirit. He gives us real clarity as to what we're supposed to do. And then we pick up the shovel and we go to work. Wow. That is such a powerful, I think, illustration. Talking about the spirit and the shovel, sir. One thing that comes to mind, uh, just the verse that I love, Mark eight thirty six. What is the profit of man to gain the whole world? yet forfeit his entire soul. And so my thing, sir, is in a culture, in a society, that may be so fast paced, right? They have, we have that go get it mentality. We like to hustle, we like to work so hard. But like you're saying, sparking change can be so difficult. I think of some of my clients, I think of just sitting in a counseling office and different things. Mm-hmm. Helping people spark change is great. And once they spark that change, it's important. But then I think of Norcross's change continuum, the last stage, the maintenance stage, which ultimately comes down to sustaining that change, really plays a key part into it. So they're not just taking one or two steps, but then they're persisting and persevering to continually spark change in their life. So sir, what I was wondering is, how do you, after you made that change in your life, continually now sustain it and pursue God and really focus on something that I think people often neglect, which is their soul care? What do you think that is? How do you think you grow it, you build it, and you continually build a relationship with Christ in the midst of it? 
Boy, that's a loaded question. But it's a really good one as well. <laughs> you guys are great. <laughs> for, for me, soul care is um, practicing mindfulness. Hmm. It's contemplative solitude. I mean, we can call it what the Bible calls it, which is meditation. Yeah. But it's really contemplative solitude. It's me being willing to pause and being willing to take time out of my day Mm. to do nothing else other than sit and listen. Uh, There's a friend of mine, his name is Bob Bodine, and he's written a book called Two Chairs. Mm. And in this book, he illustrates his practice, which is sitting in a room and pulling out two chairs, one for him and one for Jesus. Mm. And he literally sits in front of the chair as though Jesus were there, which he is, speaking to him about his day. Hey, what do you have for me today? Do you have anything you want to reveal to me today? He even asked some questions. You know, I'm, I'm real worried about my son. That Things aren't really going well in his life. Is there anything you need me to tell him today? Wow. Or, hey, my friend, the friend of mine is in the hospital. How can I pray specifically for? And, he, and I've practiced it as well. Hmm. It's amazing how often the Lord will show up and give you exactly what you need to hear in that moment. Hmm. But it takes the discipline, the, the the sustaining and the maintenance of that on a daily basis yeah. that we are able to practice mindfulness and we're able to sit and be still before God. So much of what we're doing in culture today is new. Everything is new. Yeah. Uh, and you just wait a second and you're going to have the next new thing that everybody desires and everybody goes after. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my daughter. We have uh, a wonderful, I have a wonderful family, uh, mm. 21-year-old son, 18-year-old daughter, and then we have mm. a beautiful six-year-old daughter that was a gift from her mom to our family at birth. Wow. And so wow. I'm all over the spectrum, right? I'm sending two away to college, and then I've got a second grader <laughs> yeah. coming in. So we're just kind of running around. But I was talking to my 18-year-old daughter, and she's into 80s music, which <laughs> I'm an old man. So 80s music was like my jam. That was my thing <laughs> when I was growing up. Specifically, Journey. Oh, yeah. And so we took her to the Journey concert. It was great. It was awesome. She had a great time. But as we're, we were having lunch, I looked at her and I said, hey, what songs do you think are going to be classics for your generation? Hmm. Huh, because for us, it's, you know, it's Journey. Yeah. It's Def Leppard. It's, you know, all those classics that we think about. I said, yeah. for you, yeah. what do you think are going to be the classics for you? Hmm. And she paused and she said, I don't know. And I said, why don't you know? She goes, because there's, set, there's a new song coming out every single week wow. that makes yeah. number one. And I said, that is a microcosm of what culture is going through right now. Yeah. Yes. There's always something new. There's always something next. There's, and so we're, we're, never con- we're never content. Yeah. Yes. I mean, guys, we sit around and we have a, a culture and a society of people that just aren't content. Mm. There aren't con- they aren't content with being still. It's the Martha Mary story. You know, we can we can give biblical illustrations. Yeah. Yes. But it's always about what's next. Mm. What am I not doing? Uh, mm. It's the competitor in some people that imagine, well, if I'm not doing the work, somebody they're doing the work, and they're going to be more successful than I am. Right. Yes. Speaking from a guy, full disclosure. Speaking from a guy who got kicked out of two colleges. Mm. Um wasn't able to complete them because I was partying too much mm. uh, and have now been put into a position that, that you see me in right here. Only God could do that. 
Yeah. There's yeah. no reason yeah. why a guy that doesn't have a college master's degree is sitting in the chair that I'm sitting at. Now, I pursued education afterwards, yeah. you know, through AACC, through seminary, through a variety of different things. But yeah. the bottom line is God is faithful. Mm-hmm. And if we're faithful to him by pausing, resting, and sitting, he will do things for us that the mind cannot even comprehend. You know, he'll put us in positions that we never would imagine we could ever be. Amen. Yes. Mm. Oh, I really love that um, two chair method that you just shared with us about yeah. just like being still, knowing that he is God by just acknowledging Christ's presence in our life. Like he's mm. this constant presence. But sometimes I feel like I forget to acknowledge that he's there. Yeah. And so that's so helpful. And I feel like that's so true about our society that we're just go, go, go all the time. Mm. And theologian Dallas Willard, you just reminded me about what he says about um, the only way to grow spiritually is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I know that John Mark Comer wrote a book about that. That's killer. So if anyone is interested in kind of diving into what you're speaking to us about, Michael, that would be a good like resource. But Michael, I'm like so interested in like what you're doing in the life you're bringing to so many people through life recovery, through your ministry. Mm. And I think like I'd be speaking on behalf of all of our community to say like, we want to back that up and support that and pray for whatever you're doing right now. So what's like next coming up like for you? What are you excited about? And how can we support that, get behind that? Because we want to be a part of just the life and recovery you're bringing to so many people. Yeah. Awesome. I'm happy to welcome anybody to what we have going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, uh, the, what I'm really excited about now is the fact that we're developing a community, mm-hmm. online community, and it's called Exchanged Life. Exchange.life is mm-hmm. the address. And that community is geared towards people stepping into the reality, and this is the truth, that in our life, because of trauma, because because we don't know, whatever it happens to be, we pick up a lie. Mm. And by picking up the lie and agreeing with the lie, we give authority to the liar. Mm-hmm. And then we wow. manifest the lie as opposed to manifesting the truth. Wow. And so Exchange Life is designed to help us exchange the most commonly believed lies mm. for trust in the truth of God's Word. Love that. And we do that through community and mm. through a willingness to be real. We use an ARC model, A-R-C. Mm. We admit it, we renounce it as a lie, mm. and then we confess the truth of God's word. This is what oh, God wow. says instead. I admit the fact that I'm an angry person. You know, I, I renounce that. I don't want to be an angry person anymore. And I confess that God has given me a peaceful spirit. Wow. It's a, it, People are like, that's it? I'm like, yeah, that's, ex- that's it. I mean, that's the biblical design that God yeah. has for us. But Exchange Life is a big thing that we're promoting, exchange.life. And then in that, you're going to find some materials that I've written called Prescriptions for Freedom. Hmm. Prescriptions for Freedom was built upon the idea that the Word of God is sufficient for all things. And yet, we also have clinical information that and resources that help us along the way. And so it's a merger of these two these two things coming together. We have the clinician side, hmm. and then we also have the truth of God's word side of things as well. And so we bring those two together. So we go after something like depression. 
Yeah. And we take a look at the recent studies on depression, what it looks like, what it represents, what the latest treatments are, um, the definitions. And then we go back to the Word of God and we consider what does the Bible talk about hmm. as far as depression? Yeah. We give yeah. examples. We also bring up these things that the Bible mentions called root spirits. Hmm. So the Bible mentions 14 root spirits by name, spirit of fear, spirit of haughtiness, spirit of jealousy. And so all these different root spirits and we take a look at which ones really are for depression. Hmm. And so there's a spirit of heaviness. There's a spirit of haughtiness. Hmm. There's a spirit of jealousy. All those play a role in depression. Yeah. Hmm. And so we define it. We give people an opportunity to pr say a prayer. You know, I no longer want to this spirit of haughtiness to be part of my life. Hmm. And then we have a seven-day practical application about what those people can do in order oh, wow. to break free and begin to um, like practice mindfulness, yeah. take a walk, listen to worship music, write down your thoughts, all these different practical things that we have. So I'm really excited about that mm -hmm. and what the Lord is going to do with those things. Wow, Michael, that's amazing content that you guys are producing. I can't thank you enough yeah. for just giving such life-giving things to us and to all of our listeners. I challenge all of our listeners in the moment, go to exchange.life and just be able to find those prescriptions for freedom and just all those helpful and beneficial and really effective resources that will help you change your life truly. Mr. Michael, we can't thank you enough just for your time and willingness to be on the show, but how we always like to end the show is by giving our guests just an opportunity to share something that God has placed on their hearts just for such a moment as this. So sir, today to the person out there who may be struggling, who needs to spark some change in their life, but they just lack maybe that hope or encouragement or motivation, what would you share with that person today? I've been thinking about that ever since I received that question from you guys mm -hmm. earlier yeah. this day. There's so many thoughts that go through my head, but I think the one thing that I would encourage people with is this. Um, God is faithful. Mm. God is faithful and he's enough. Yeah. A lot of times what I, what I encourage people to do is give me the names that you have for God. Mm. You know, tell me who God is to you. Well, he's provider, he's sustainer, he's healer, he's all these other things. The one that I always default to is he's enough. Mm. Enough, and we forget. I mean, I, I forget that along the way. Um, the other element that I want to encourage people with is um, be willing to reevaluate how they perceive success. Mm. Be success to the kingdom looks much different than success to the world. In the world, we have things. You, you used it. What would a man give in exchange for his own soul? He'd, ta he'd take the whole world in, yeah. but exchange it for his soul. That's really what Jesus was saying, meaning he's going to take all the accolades of success and fame and fortune, mm. but forget the idea and the truth that we are sacrificing our soul. Um, one of the ways that I look at my life, I try to look at my life, and I try to encourage people to look at their lives is if, is what you're doing going to outlive you? Mm. Is what you're doing an intergenerational thing? Mm. For instance, if, if you were to, you know, unfortunately go away today, would what you're establishing continue on and bring benefit to those that come after you? Mm. A lot of people are provoked by that because they're like, I don't know. I really have no idea. And so in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of depression, substance abuse, when that moment clicks, when the spirit comes in, he gives us the shovel, 
one of the one of the great things I encourage people with is God is faithful. He's going to give you and provide what you need. But in addition to that, He also asks that we serve other people. Wow. And we go out and we find that next person in order to impart our wisdom and truth to them. Hmm. And so I always, always, and that's a real strong word, most often when I meet with guys, I want to know who are your sons, your spiritual sons, yeah. and how are they doing, and who's your father? Mm-hmm. Because fatherlessness in the world, oh my gosh, you guys. Um, But we can find spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to pour into our life. Mm -hmm. We pour into another person's life. And John says it like this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about, gang. I mean, that's exactly what the Word of God instructs us to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that will break us out of, of the anxiety and the fear and, quite frankly, the anger that people are feeling in today's culture. Wow. Yes. Thank you for taking that now word being take on an eternal perspective. Yeah. Like, are you planning for this next hundred years, hmm. your retirement here on earth? Are you planning for the next billion years and your, your deposits in heaven by yeah. what you do here on earth? I feel really challenged and just blessed by that perspective and just the reminder that God is faithful, like his mercies are new every single day. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for coming on and just blessing us with your testimony, your story, the encouragement and wisdom that you had for us today. It was just invaluable. So thank you so much. Yes, thank well, you so much, you Mr. Michael. We appreciate you beyond measure. Um, I just want to say, like you said, I challenge all of our listeners here in this last moment, are you living a life of success or are you living a life of significance? And like Mr. Michael challenged us yes. to remember, God is faithful and he is more than enough. Mr. Michael, like Brooke said, thank you so much. We love you, sir. Thank you for your time and your willingness. God bless you guys. Thank you. Yes, sir. Wow, that was a really powerful interview. So powerful, Brooke. I loved how Michael just reminded us of God's faithfulness. Yes. Because I feel like that's such an important Mm. attribute and character quality that the Lord has Mm. that brings so much comfort and peace during times that feel so unstable. Just the fact that the Lord is our foundation, as Michael was talking about, and that He is always faithful. And Zach, it reminded me of Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. Hmm. And it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Hmm. Great is your faithfulness. Hmm. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. So I was just so grateful for that reminder that no matter what kind of day that I'm having, when I wake up, the Lord is still faithful to me. He still Mm -hmm. sees me and his mercies are still extended to me each day. That's so powerful, Brooke. I think um, the word that he ended with, right, being enough really stood out to me. And throughout that episode, I think a theme was contentment. I think that we live in a culture and society that we touched on, Michael touched on, that really preaches like that discontentment, right? That unhealthy discontentment. Go out and get it, try to achieve it. It's all based on performance. And we can get lost in our performance trying to become somebody, right, that we aren't. And I think what we need to remind ourselves today, just in closing this episode, is that your worth and your identity is not found in your performance. It's actually found in the passion that Christ has for us. A couple episodes ago of the releasing of this episode, I talked about the root word of passion actually means to suffer. 
And so it has nothing to do with our identity from our performance, but it was that Christ loved us so much for who he created us to be, not based on our performance, that he was so passionate that he was willing to suffer death on a cross for you. So if you're out there today and you don't feel like you're enough, and if you feel like you're really struggling with trying to find that identity and worth and value, I challenge you to invite the Lord in who is more than enough. And He, I promise you, will remind you that you're more than enough too. So my friends, we love you so much. We're so thankful for you. And as always, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time on the Build Different Podcast.